Welcome. Glad you're here. Thank you. You're here at the final of three family conversations. The first one we did was on anxiety and worry, and we talked about how to deal with that with your children and with you as adults. Last week, we talked about marriage and intimacy, and we talked about those five levels of intimacy and how you can improve on those. And tonight, we're going to be talking about parenting matters. Parenting matters. Parenting is a daunting task. It really is. It's a, it's a difficult task. In October the 12th of 1982, my first child was born. And, and she came into the delivery room, got her all cleaned up. Mom and baby had this moment. And then they swaddled her up and said, here, Dad, you can carry her to the nursery. And so I'm carrying this child to the nursery. Now, what's supposed to go through your head at that time is all these things about, oh, we, we are a family now, and I can't imagine how we're going to grow, and I have all these dreams for this child, and, and it's going to be so great to be her dad. No. I had two things going through my mind when I carried that child from labor and delivery to nursery. First is, please don't let me drop her. That was the first comment, the first thought in my head. The second one was this, oh my gosh, I have got to grow up now, literally. Those were the only two thoughts I had in my head. I was 21 year, 23 years old. 23 years old, we were probably 800 miles from home, away from family, and now I'm carrying this kid to a nursery, and I have never been a parent before. I didn't know how to be a parent. A few months ago, I bought a new car, and before I drove the car off the lot, they gave this to me. This is the owner's manual for my new car. What did they hand me when I drove my child away from the hospital? Nothing, nada, zip, here she is, good luck, see ya. You get this much on a new car and you get nothing on a child? And plus, I didn't have the best example of a dad in the world either, so I was kind of like on my own. I had to figure it out. And just when I thought I had it figured out, then things changed. And I realized that being a parent is like shooting at a moving target, a target that's constantly moving and constantly changing. It's one big learning curve. Parenting is a difficult, frustrating, wonderful, rewarding responsibility that every parent has to figure out for themselves, which does not seem like good business to me, but that's the way it works. Uh, for those of you that might not have been here in the other two sessions, I'm Brett Legg. I'm teaching counseling pastor here. Let me tell you a little bit about myself. I'll throw a family picture up there so you can see. Uh, my wife and I, Libby, we've been married, this May will be 41 years, and I have two adult children. Amy is 38, Casey is 36, and we have four grandchildren, one who's 14, one who is seven, and the other two are five, right? So it's like circus when everybody comes over to our house. And that picture looks pretty good, but I'm telling you, it took a lot of trial and error just to get to that picture. And 
that's a little bit of what we're going to be talking about tonight. Grant, tell us about yourself and your family. Family time. Thank you so much. My name is Grant Janik, and I am grateful uh, to have been here at Warren. I'm coming on to 12 years, and uh, has been it has been an awesome joy to have been able to be around, work with our students coming through student ministry, middle school and high school. In fact, some of my old students sitting in the room today, and I am just really excited uh, to be with y'all again in these ways. Uh, but I'm really also grateful to serve in a way as we've had kind of just some changing uh, and some moving of responsibilities uh, to have responsibility to our preschool kids, what we are calling our family life team. And so this is just really exciting for me to get to have an opportunity to serve moms, dads, whether you're here in the live audience or walk, watching, streaming, watching later or after the date that we're recording this. Uh, I'm just very excited to have an opportunity to invest into you uh, for what I hope and pray will be some investment tools uh, for the future of not only your marriage, but also your family in key. My name is Grant, my lovely bride. Her name is Micah. We're working on our 17th year of marriage. I think we've got a picture that'll be up there uh, if it's not already. And uh, we are just uh, so grateful for our four little ones. And I say four because uh, this is uh, our three children and our one dog. Uh, and this was sadly to say one of the last pictures that we had of our dog just because we just had to put her down recently, and that was a sorrowful moment in our life. But this is Chaco, our uh, child that we've had the longest, the dog, the four-legged child. And uh, then Harris, from right to left, Harris, Millie, and Gray. He's 11, Harris is 11, Millie 10, and Gray um, 6. I look forward to showing y'all a little video that pretty much portrays exactly who these kids are in just a little bit. But yeah, I'm excited to be here, excited to team teach with Brett and... Uh, just hoping and praying that y'all will, if you're not singing in harmony, like we just saw, by the time you leave, uh, I hope and pray that there will at least be some more good tools in your toolkit for parenting by the end of the night tonight. Okay, so before we get started, let me ask some questions. How many of you are currently parenting infants or toddlers? Show of hands. Okay. How many of you, and some of this may be the same, how many of you are currently parenting elementary school children? All right. How about teenagers? Any? All right. We have a couple in the room. God bless you. Uh, I'll just take a chance. Anyone got some college-age students? Cool, cool. Yes. Awesome. Yes. How about those of you that are still parenting adult children? Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, me too, Jimmy. Me too, right? I'm with you. So... How many of you are parenting in blended families? Couple? Okay, great, great. All right, any adopted families going on here? Just trying to get a lay of the land. All right, well, here's, here's what I want you to know. No matter what stage or age of parenting you may be, we hope to give you some things this evening that will encourage you, that will coach you, that will empathize with you and maybe even rally behind you, I hope. But I've got, before we do that, I've got a couple of disclaimers. Right up front, I need to give you. We are not the experts. I will guarantee you we're not the experts. You can call my wife and children in and they will let you know we're not the experts, right? I was teaching a class one time on parenting here at Warren, and I've been here like 26 years, so I don't know how long ago, but it was a few years back, I was teaching this class, and so I called my kids to come home for the weekend from college, and they came home, I said, I'm taking you guys out for pizza, and they went, oh, well, what have we done? I said, you haven't done anything, relax. Every time you take us out to eat, we've done something wrong. No, you haven't done anything wrong. We went out to have pizza, and they, they just kept looking at me for the other shoe to drop, and I said, here's the reason I wanted you to come out. 
I'm getting ready to teach this class on parenting, and I want you to tell me all the ways I've messed up. And they looked at each other like, this is a trap. This is a trap. No, we had the greatest conversation. And, uh, and I heard things from my, my, my oldest daughter like, well, I wish you had been more involved with my friends. And then she said, but I wasn't going to tell you who my friends were. That kind of conversation. We had that kind of conversation. So we are not the experts here. Just want you to know that. Here's the other disclaimer. There is no right way to parent. Hear that again. There is no right way to parent. There's a lot of wrong ways to parent, but there's no one right way to parent. It depends upon you. Kids are different. Their personalities are different. Their experiences are different. Your spouse's experiences are different. You're different. Your personalities are different. Every parent, every home parents differently. So there's no one right way. But tonight, we want to see if we can fill in some gaps. So we want you to speak up. All right, we want to do dialogue. If you have questions, disclaimers, I'd rather you ask questions than throw tomatoes, so ask questions. And if you don't like to ask questions in front of people, we have some question cards on the table. You can write out your questions, and then later on we'll have somebody gather those up, and we'll deal with them that way, okay? So you got, you got several ways you can ask questions and get those questions out. Okay, so Grant, tell us what we're going to be talking about. Here we go. Thank you. Uh, yeah, just as I wanted to mention as a way of housekeeping, we do have a couple of sheets on your paper, or excuse me, on your table if you want to take notes. Uh, or feel free to take notes in whatever way you do. And then, yes, those question cards, I'll be alluding to those in a couple of ways. At the end of this time, I'm hoping that we'll have a Q&A time. Uh, so whether it's questions that you write down or that you ask, uh, we look forward to hopefully entertaining some of those. Let me just kind of talk structure if I can. Uh, I've got a lot of my heart. <laughs> Brett and I have been talking a lot for the last couple of days that I want to share, and I am certainly not going to be able to get through through it all, but uh, what I do hope and pray that we will have is uh, not just an experience of instruction from the stage, but an experience of dialogue among us. Yes. And so as we are talking, uh, Brett may even interrupt me some, so just know this is gonna be a comfortable, I think we called it like a living room experience in here tonight, and, uh, and, and, and we are gonna have a little bit of dialogue, so please be prepared to share any thoughts that you might have or, or encourage everyone else around you in any way that you might have. Uh, just to start us off, I've uh, wanted to uh, try to get us into the idea of what we're gonna be talking about by giving us three guiding questions. I think y'all have heard the topic or the title of what we're gonna be talking about. Parenting matters. Parenting, it matters, right? It's, it's a valuable uh, uh, skill that we want to be able to hone and to harness and to be able to have and to use and to utilize in great ways. Well, I wanna give us three guiding questions, if I can, uh, for what we are going to look at and what we're gonna aim for tonight. First guiding question is this, okay? What is the goal? What is the goal? What is the goal here? If I could give us a, a bullseye target, what is the goal? And very simply, if I could just easily say it in one simple word, godliness is the goal. Now, I'm sure y'all saw that coming. We're sitting in a church, right? Godliness is the goal. Um, if y'all wouldn't mind, I am gonna put some scriptures up on screen. Uh, and right here, it's 1T66. I hope that you'll have a parenting strategy focused around a 1T66, 1 Timothy 6-6 strategy. Look at what it says. It says, but godliness with contentment brings great gain. And my hope and my prayer is that we would learn some strategies for being godly mothers and godly fathers that lead godly children to have a godly home. And my hope and my prayer is that we would understand that that is the goal here and tonight. And let's, I'm oh, gonna interrupt. Yeah, come on. The reason godliness is the goal 
is because none of us are there. Uh, None of us have arrived at that. We're all in process. So godliness is is not the goal so that we can be superior because none of us are there. We're reaching for that. True, true, true. And and, and I would just say, and I may talk about this uh, in a little bit later, one of the greatest keys and foundations to a godly parenting structure is godly people following after God with all that they are. And, and if, I, if you don't hear me say anything else tonight, I don't know where you are in life, what, what age, stage, and, and where you specifically are right now, but making the decision to turn and to simply put all of your trust into Christ, that's the first and greatest step that any of us could ever make in raising a godly home, raising a godly generation of sons and daughters. Let me give you the next guiding question. It is this, where and when do we parent? Where and when do we parent? Where are we going to use and to infuse this goal? I have an analogy that I love to give to parents. A lot of times when I'm talking to parents, uh, I'll kind of use like, like, like a platform, like this platform right here. Uh, so say starting way over here and, and moving all the way over here. And, and I liken it to the idea of a runway. I think I've got a picture for y'all to kind of get this, this picture. Really, when you think about it, parenting is a lot like a runway. Uh, we, we start, you know, with, with second, nanosecond, 0.001, just like you were talking about at the hospital. And, 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 and as you move years in moving, there will come a time when hopefully, unless you just really want your kids to live in your house in your basement for the rest of your life, you know, and there's two, there's hopefully a time when they will launch, when they will take off. And, and, and to me, when we look at godliness is the goal at the end of that launch pad, at the end of that runway, when, when we're making decisions in our parenting right here and now for that 20-year-old young man or woman, that 30-year-old young man or woman, I hope and pray that we will just keep the end in mind and the end in sight. And trust me, you want your children to move out. <laughs> just saying. you want your, I got in a fight with my daughter one time because I was trying to convince her to stay here and go to college so I could foot the whole bill for her. I said, if you go somewhere else, you're going to have to going to have to foot some of the bills. She said, you just want to keep me, your little girl, living with you forever. (laughs) And I said, darling, let me tell you something. The day you move out of this house, I'm going to be so sad that I'm going to toss your mother down on the floor. We're going to make love right there. That's how sad we're going to be when you leave. (laughs) You want your children to move out. That's good. That's good. I won't say anything to that, Brett. Thank you. I think you just covered it all, man. Stopped it, huh? So what are some tools? Here's the third guiding question. What are some tools that can help us as we go for this goal? I don't know about y'all. This isn't meant to be a cheap cheap imitation, but I love my buckets at home. Man, I carry buckets around everywhere. And this is my toolkit, my toolbox right here. We're gonna talk about some strategic tools in parenting uh, that would be good to uh, weave into your parenting strategy. Uh, but, but this is the whole reason why there are tools on your tables right now. And, and so tonight we're going to be talking about five key tools that we hope and pray every parent will have in their parenting bucket, so to say. Five key tools uh, that will go to aid us to make our parenting matter, to help our parenting to make a difference. And so I'm excited about where we're going to jump into in just a second. I do wanna start off with a biblical context, always first and foremost. One of the, I believe, most important passages on parenting, we're gonna put it on screen right here, from the book of Deuteronomy. This is known as the Shema, okay? By the way, where it starts at the beginning of verse four is this idea of hear, O Israel. These are God's instructions. In a way, this is God's instruction manual to moms and dads to raise up and to lead their children. 
I'm just going to read verse six and seven. It says this, and these words, God speaking here, that I command to you today, they shall be on your hearts, mothers and fathers. They shall be so intricately downloaded into your minds and your hearts and your lives that then you should take them, look at verse seven, and teach them diligently to your children. I love this idea. It's, it's, it's the picture of everyday living, everyday lifestyle. As, as you're talking and having conversation, weave them into your conversation. And, and, and you shall talk on them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You know, I, I, think, I think God's even weaving into the uh, idea just in family, you know, like, like, like nighttime prayers right there. It's this idea of, you know, dad going in just like I try to do to my kids as often as I can, going in to tuck them in to their beds and it usually turns into a tickle fest. You know, I'm, I'm going in just like my dad used to do to me. I'll go in and I'll just try to rub my kids' backs and encourage them, maybe even pray over them, maybe even sing a worship song with as terrible of a voice as I have. You know, I, I think God is just saying, whatever you do, we've got into it. We've got principles and God foundations into your parenting strategy. Here's a quote that I love. This is uh, an old Albanian proverb. It says this, raising a child is like building a house. Think about that. Raising a child is a lot like building a house. You've got to have the right tools for the right jobs at the right time, available and accessible when you need them. Raising children is a lot like building a house. Tonight, each of these tools that we're going to give to you is going to be paired with a very strategic word. Very simple word. The word is together. Together. Whatever your together is, the, the structure and the setup of together in your family, I think of one of my students that I used to have, it was grandmother and grandfather raising that student. Maybe together is, is a fostering parent situation. Maybe it's like a, a, new, a, a, a newcomer to our church that is just moving to our town. I've had some neat conversations with this man and they have four of their own children, but they're also uh, adopting in the process of trying to adopt another child into their family. Maybe that's the together that your family looks like. Maybe as Brett said, the, the together of your family is a blended family. Maybe it is a single parent situation. And can I just say, I believe that God can do mighty things through you as you live and do all of these things that we're gonna talk about together in your family structure. Whatever your together is, we want you to know that your together matters and we are pulling for you. We are pulling for you. Here's tool number one. I'm gonna give you these five tools. Tool number one may sound too simplified, may sound oversimplified, but it has big impact. Tool number one, live together. Do not forget in your parenting strategy to live together. Now, I know you're probably thinking, well, obviously that makes sense. We, we gotta be under the same roof. Well, I'm talking about do life together. It's not just living under the same roof. It's, it's making a plan to eat at a same dinner table on a very regular basis. It's making a plan to, to, to have your kids come with you, just like I try to, when they don't want to and they're asking me, Dad, can't we just do a click list, you know, for all the things that you need at Lowe's? Can't we just do another click list? No, we're gonna go into Lowe's today, kids. We're gonna do life together. And my encouragement is find every way that you can to share everyday life and activity and living in every way that you can together with your kids. Doing the dishes, prepping for meals. I know one family that's in our church, some things I'm gonna show you on a little bit. They got, they got more than my three kids, okay? I'll just say that. 
And uh, I, I love it. Th- th- this mother and father told me that one of their things that they do is mom and dad work on dinner and getting it out and everything. But when they say break and we're done from the dinner table, all their children are cleaning up the table, putting all the dishes up, putting everything into the dishwasher and the children are doing it. I thought that is brilliant. Instilling in your children responsibility and maturity as you're doing life together. I could talk about a whole lot more here, but uh, I just think about the runway that we're talking about right here. As, as you are doing life together, what are some categories that we wanna think about growing our kids up and letting godliness be the goal in their life? I'll never forget when I was in college, I was a part of a uh, unique uh, organization that had a lot of uh, influence and, 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 and taught me a lot of leadership strategy. And, and, and the byline of that organization was this. They existed to build the whole man. And then there were four key categories. Physically, intellectually, spiritually, and then, I love this one, socially and morally, relationally. What, what are the buckets, what are the, what are the check boxes on this runway of your parenting strategy that you wanna see your kids going in a godly way? My hope and my prayer is that as you live life together, you will naturally lead them in the ways that you wish for them to go. And, and I'll just say this, as your kids get older, it gets harder to do this, okay? Uh, we used to eat every meal together, and then as they got older, we, it was like five nights a week, and then as they got to be older teenagers, we just had to say, okay, you got to sacrifice at least one night a week that we're going to eat. It gets harder and harder because their life gets busy and your life gets busy. Some of that you can fight against. Just set a bar, but don't beat yourself up if you don't hit every time, okay? Very good. Live together. I've got to get on. I'm going to tell you guys about a way that you can get access to a lot of the resources that we're talking about. Here will be my challenge statement to y'all. Build a family plan. As you do life together, build a family plan. Uh, There's gonna be a resource that I'm gonna tell you about at the end of this time. Uh, One of our uh, resources that we hand out to some of our parents that come through our preschool program is the idea of building a family mission statement. Uh, Building a family plan, finding the key areas that you want to strategically raise your kids up in in right ways. But I I encourage you, build a family plan. I'll talk about some resources in a little bit. I gotta keep us going on our points here. Do you have anything else you wanna say to that? Put another cherry on top, Uh, tell us. Remember that living together is not always going to be those kumbaya moments. It just isn't. Sometimes learning to live together means learning to fight together, you know, and and that involves parents and that involves kids too. So many people grow up and get married and they don't know how to fight well together because parents didn't fight well in front of their children. They think we don't want to let our kids see our kids disagree, but you have to because they don't know how to do that if you don't model that for them. So sometimes you have to teach them how to resolve conflicts. Uh, Grant spoke about this earlier. You have to slow down to live together. I'm just telling you, one of the enemy's greatest ploys is to keep us as busy as we can be because then you don't get to live together. To live together, you have to slow down. Sometimes we're too busy making a life that we don't slow down and live our lives. So we, get, we, we feel like we, our kids have to do everything they want, and we've got to do everything we want and have everything we want, and we may get it, maybe, hardly, but we don't live life together. And another part of living life together is making memories together, making memories together from toddlers to teens. Now, how you do that changes. Uh, when my children were little, I would 
take them to bed, put them to bed, and they'd want me to read them a story. And I just got tired of reading the same old stories. And so one night I made one up. And the next night they wanted to hear that story again, so I had to conjure it up from my memory bank. They wanted to hear that story night after night after night. And then then they would have me make up another story to the point where for my adult children one day, one year at Christmas, I actually created that story, did all the graphics, wrote it down, printed it up for them, gave them their own storybook. So I used to make up stories for them. Take a look at this picture. This was about a week ago. I was at IHOP with my granddaughter and, and my daughter, and my granddaughter says, Poppy, tell me a story. And I just kind of fell into it immediately and just made up a story on the spot. And my daughter, I look over there, she's taking this picture and she's got these tears rolling down her eyes because it took her back to when I used to make up stories for her. To live together, you have to slow down and you have to make some memories together. Make some good funeral stories. You know what I mean by that? (laughs) If you die and, and, and could hear people walk in front of your casket and tell stories about you, what do you want to hear them say? That's a, what kind of funeral story do you want to leave? I don't want my kids walking in front of my casket saying, yep, he was at church a lot. Man, he worked all the time, and then people would call, and he'd have to get up from dinner and leave, and, and you know, he made a lot of money, bought us a car. I don't want to hear those stories. I want to hear my children say, hey, remember that time he told us this story over and over and over? Remember the time when he got confused and walked in the women's bathroom in Florida? Remember those stories? Leave good funeral stories. And yes, that really did happen. Not you. You're a pastor, Brad. How could you do that? Come on. <laughs> I didn't realize it until the person in the stall next to me had their feet pointing the wrong way. And I just thought, what? This is wrong. There you have it. I will leave that one alone too, Brett. I like it. That's funny, man. Hey, tool number one, live together. I know it sounds so simple, but there really is great intentionality behind it. Step number two, tool number two, love together. Love together. Every single one of y'all, every table should have a wrench on the table. I want y'all to get the table, get the wrench and hold it up if you could. Do not swing it. Please, yes, yes. Respect everyone else around you and uh, that kind of thing. So uh, love together. I'm gonna talk about this in just a second. Just real quickly, look at this scripture from 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Very simplified, very paraphrased. A gracious God-like kind of love is this. It is patient, it is kind, and it never fails. It never ends. And, and, and I just want to take a quick second to remind us that very same kind of God love that he has shown to us, we are called Christian brothers and sisters to model to our children just the same. So when I think of this word love, I have a whole lot that I could share about this, uh, but I think about a wrench. I had a friend uh, just recently that handed me a wrench. He literally picked it up off a road and handed it to me. And he said, Grant, I want to uh, encourage you, whenever you look at this wrench, I want you to think of what you can do with a wrench. He said, you can take a wrench and you can attach it to a bolt and you can either tighten that bolt up when it needs it. Or if there's a time that you need to take that wrench and take that bolt and you need to loosen it up when it needs it. This wrench can do either of those. As I think about parenting, I kind of think about how we like a wrench, can use love. In some ways, we need to tighten things up. I would call that tough love. Tough love is necessary. We need structure, we need discipline, we need design, right? That's that's really what we see the Heavenly Father model for us. So, So sometimes we need to tighten things up, but sometimes, and I believe much more so of the time, we need to be sure not forget to loosen 
things up at times. Not forget to loosen things up when maybe they're a little too much or a little too much that's going on. I've got so much that I'd love to share here, but uh, if I could just give you five key ways, I think that we need to make sure that we love with a patient, kind, and never-ending love. Sometimes choosing to loosen things up, I would put, them, I would put these words in this way. Do you remember when, when you had toddlers and preschoolers, those of you that are beyond that stage now, and those of you that have those children right now, they say that love is spelled, do you know how it's spelled? Love is spelled T-I-M-E, time, right? So that's one of the key ways that we can keep it loose, that we can keep it going, that we can keep a godly atmosphere spending time. Quality time is so important. I do believe for children that age, but also there is so much science. There is so, so much research that goes to prove that there is another key way that we need to keep loosening things up. And that is also another way that love is spelled. T-O-U-C-H. Right now we're just talking about how physical touch can make or can break a personality. And it really is so true. Don't forget to take the, make the time for your children, but don't forget to pat them on the back, love them, encourage them. Maybe even in some loving ways, push them towards what they need to go to. But never forget these key ways to use the tool of love. Another way that I'd spell love is very simply, work with me here, T-H-I-N-G. S, things. You could also spell it T-R-E-A-S-U-R-E-S, treasures. I had a good friend that I got to hang out with the other day and he was just showing me all of these trinkets and treasures in his office from so many years ago. You never know what a simple wrench might mean to your son one day. Simple pocket knife, whatever it is. But don't forget to love in these ways. A couple other ways I could say is T-A-L-K-I-N-G, just talking with your son and your daughter. That is so important. And finally, the uh, last way that I would say is just share your talents with your son and your daughter. We uh, were hanging out with our family down in uh, Columbus, Georgia, a couple of weeks ago, back at the holiday time. And uh, I'll just never forget uh, my wife's sister, like working so hard, setting up this projector screen and this projector and getting her phone hooked up to it and everything. And I just thought like, what an incredible way for her to spend her time and her talents, her abilities, her creative way that she is, just so her kids could get out there and have a good time. By the way, these aren't just things that I've made up. All of these you can find, I'm gonna tell you in a resource later, from uh, Dr. Gary Chapman. He's talked about the five love languages that are so key for us to do. Now, I do believe that there are some ways that we need to tighten things up. I love the way that uh, pastor and author, uh, Phil and Diane Comer, they wrote a book um, called Raising Passionate Jesus Followers. I think I have a picture of that. Uh, one of the most instructional books that I have enjoyed and used in, uh, in my parenting strategy and the way that we parent our children. But uh, I love the way that, that he goes through and really kind of opens up a scripture for us to have better understanding. And uh, that is this scripture. I'm trying to look forward to my notes right here. That is this scripture um, that we are to. I'm so sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. It's, it's a scripture that is mostly used for pastors, uh, but it is also to be exemplified. Here it is. I've got two of them on the same screen. 2 Timothy 4.2 right here. This is a word to pastors, but, but think about it this way. Pastors not only shepherd a flock called the church, but it's also a stewardship of a family. In the same way, this pastor has, has applied that concept to his own family. And so what are some ways that we may need to use love, tough love, in a way to tighten up some things around our home. Second Timothy four says this, preach the word, 
be prepared in season and out of season. Be ready to, here's one of the key tools to tighten things up with tough love, correct. Be ready to correct your son or daughter when they need it. Be ready to lovingly rebuke them. Call out whatever wrong that they are involved in and point them in a more godly direction. Be ready to encourage. In fact, in this book, Raising Passionate Jesus Followers, I love the story that they told Phil and Diane Comer, very, very well-known and respected pastors. And they said that one of their children just felt so beat down so much of the time that when they flipped the switch and they started encouraging their child, they saw a whole new child come to life that they didn't have previous to that. Be willing and ready to correct, to rebuke, to encourage. And then I love the last part of that. Can we get that back on screen? The last part of that passage says, and be patient and careful with your instruction. So those are four key ways that we can use tough love. And then of course, we know right before that, the scripture that said that discipline at times when it is necessary, appropriate discipline. The scripture talks about the rod of discipline. I'll be happy to talk more out about that later, but I need to get us to our next point. But when the rod of discipline is needed, they say it this way in their book, what it's talking about is a spanking. <laughs> Every once in a while that might be needed. It is biblical, it is useful, but it is never to be something that is vengeful, revenge-filled, or punishing. Love, what do you think of that, man? Uh, I think we're going to have to keep moving really keep quickly. Moving. But let me, let me, tie, so let me jump in on a couple of things here. Uh, when you talked about spelling uh, love as touch, if you're the dad of a daughter, I just want to give you a little heads up here. So oftentimes I see dads who will hug on their kids, hug on their daughters, love on their daughters, et cetera, et cetera, until those daughters reach puberty and they start to develop. And then dad's like, I don't know what to do, you know? And so they back up and they stop doing those things. And daughters don't understand that, okay? Yes, touch your teenage daughters appropriately, but don't stop giving them the hugs, et cetera, et cetera, because it's like I turned a teenager and now they don't like me anymore. So just be mindful of that. Uh, let, me, let me say this. I'll jump to this really quickly. Uh, how many of you have children who have to be disciplined differently? Yes, yes. You, can, you have to discipline, but you can't discipline one the same as the other. I had one child that spankings would not work for. Matter of fact, if they were both going to get a spanking, she would, she would volunteer to go first. Why? Because she wanted to get out of the way, so she sat back and laugh at her sister. That's why. She just did not do anything for her. You know, you could take something away from her, and she was heartbroken. I had another daughter. I could just say, I am so disappointed in you, and she would have a meltdown on the floor. So you got to figure out what works for your children. And I want to show you this slide, and then we'll move on to the next one. Okay, if you want to love together as a family, then you've got to love together as a couple first. That has to come first. Your partnering must take a higher rung than your parenting. So often what happens is parenting gets put up here, partnering gets put down here. That never will work well for you and your spouse or for your kids. Keep them in the right order. So if you want to love as a family, make sure you're loving well as a couple. Grant, let's move to the next one. Very good, I'm gonna go to the next one. All right, say them with me. What's the first tool right here? We gotta to live together. Second, we gotta to 
love together. Last, or sit next, I should say, number three, we gotta laugh together. Do not forget that laughter is so important. Uh, I love it. It's actually one of our church members here that told me about a great podcast that they love to listen to. I actually encourage it for the fathers in the room, Dad Tired, the Dad Tired podcast. Uh, the, the ladies' counterpart, so to say, is um, called um, Mom. Wow, it is, it is escaping me right this second. Um, I'll find it in a second. But Dad Tired and, uh, and this counterpart for ladies as well. And I love what was uh, Risen Motherhood. That's what it is. Risen Motherhood and Dad Tired. And, and I love what was shared. The podcast was a pastor talking to a student pastor. And the pastor was asking the student pastor, uh, what has been the common thread that you have seen in, in students that come through middle and high school, go off to college, and that stay near to the Lord and stay in the faith? That student pastor thought about it because his pastor had asked him to kind of respond to it. And he thought about it for a little bit. And he came back and he said, when I think of the, the people that have stayed in the faith, I think of those that had families that made sure that they had fun. That made sure that they had fun. Uh, I love it. One thing that we've talked about is that they just didn't take everything so seriously that they forgot to have fun. Laughter is such a key point. And I'll just give you that point real quick. Laughter. Don't forget to laugh in your relationships and in life. Anything else you want to add on that? Uh, what do you do to have fun? What do you do to have fun with your kids? <laughs> yes, you're supposed to have fun, so. <laughs> go bike riding. There you go. I like it. What else do you do? Let them put tape all over the bed. Let them put tape all over the bed. Yeah. It's <laughs> good. It's yeah. good. Yeah, that goes on with my grandchildren at the house. Yeah, we're constantly running out of tape. What else? What do you do with, to have fun with your kids? Hmm? Very good. Okay. Maybe I ought to ask this question. What do the two of you do to have fun together? Because it sounds like you're a little depleted in this area. I hadn't planned to tell this story, but that's how I usually get in trouble, so I'll tell you. Uh, I evidently fell asleep on my wife one night when I was not supposed to. I don't know how it happened, just fell asleep. And evidently she was trying to get me awake and couldn't. And so I got up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom and looked down and thought my feet were bleeding. And I rubbed my eyes and she had painted my toenails while I was sleeping. <laughs> this is a woman that knows how to have fun, right? Another night... So it, it's always when I get up in the night to go to the bathroom. I don't know why, but I got up to go to the bathroom and I could not find the fly on my boxers. I thought, surely I've not put these on backwards. No, my wife had sewn the fly shut on my boxers. <laughs> She's a fun woman. I'm telling you, if you're going to have fun as a family, it's back to what I said about love. If you're going to have fun with a family, you've got to learn to have fun together. And it doesn't take a lot of time and it doesn't take a lot of money and you don't have to go to Disney every time you turn around. When my kids were little, we used to move all, we lived in a very small house and we moved all the furniture out of the way and we threw sleeping bags on the floor and we put a big candle in the center for our campfire and we got those little miniature sausages and we roast those with toothpicks over the fire. And we got little miniature marshmallows and we roast those and we had a camp out and might watch their favorite movie or whatever. They still talk about that. We used to make our own pizzas together and they love that. It does not take a lot of time and it does not take a lot of money. But here's the deal, you gotta quit taking yourself so seriously, okay? 
You gotta stop taking yourself so seriously. If you can't laugh at you, you can't laugh with them. I took my kids to the uh, mall, and they were preteens or something like that, and I said, I'll take you to the mall, but I do not wanna hear, I want this, I want this, I want, I want, I want, I want. I promise we won't do that. I'm telling you, you will regret it if you do that. We won't do that. So we went to the mall, and they went into the routine. I want this, I want this, I want this. And so I just started barking at them. Every time they said, I want this, I went, oh, 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 oh. And, and they looked at me, and we walked a little farther, and they started doing this. It fixed the problem. I'm just good. telling you, it fixed the problem. That's, that's got to be in the Bible somewhere, right? Somewhere, somewhere, somewhere. That is good. All right, y'all say it with me. The tools so far, live together, love together, laugh together. Next one is learn together. Learning is so important. Look at this scripture from the Heavenly Father, Ephesians 6, 4. And I, I, I'm reading this to us in an amplified translation. I love this translation because it really helps us understand the deeper meaning of what is being said here. I need this on a regular basis. Listen to this. Fathers and mothers implied here as well. Do not provoke your children to anger. In other words, do not exasperate them to the point of resentment with demands that are trivial or unreasonable. Okay? or humiliating, or even abusive, nor by showing favoritism. That was uh, uh, Jacob's issue that he dealt with with his whole family. That's why there's a, a whole uh, just myriad of problems all throughout the Old Testament. Well, I think it really started with a lot of this favoritism problem. Don't be indifferent towards any of them, okay? But bring them up tenderly and with loving kindness in the discipline and in the instruction of the Lord. Commit to learning together. That's why you're here. Man, you guys are already champion parents, grandparents, uh, parents that are, that are working to raise your, your children. You wouldn't be here. You wouldn't be watching this if you were not already on this process and in this, uh, on this path and in this process of remembering the strategy of the runway, remembering the goal of godliness and using these tools with you. I do want to tell y'all, uh, this man right here, Brett Legg, is, is just an incredible resource of so much wisdom and insight. I just recently have started listening to a podcast that he has just quickly, simply called Quick Counsel. I'd encourage y'all to check it out. A great resource. I'd encourage every single one of you. Great, great topics on counseling, on marriage, just mental health, mindfulness, things like this that are so good and so encouraging. Uh, but brettlegg.com, you can go in to check him out. And, and then this is a little bit of a passion of mine, but very simply, what are we talking about here? We're talking about parenting matters. We just put a dot life on it because it's an aspect of life that we deal with. Parenting matters dot life. And I've got so many stories that I would love to share, but, but I'll take more time to do that later. But I, I very simply just wanna show you a little bit of our website that we've been working on. Our resource, our tool to equip and to resource you for the most important job that you have. This is parentingmatters.life. We're gonna put it up on screen right here. If we can roll that video, uh, just showing a little bit of what parentingmatters.life looks like right here. Here's what it is. A simple website that just points out over a hundred strategic and great resources that we would hope that y'all could use. We've got an Instagram account. We'd love for y'all to start following us, commenting, maybe even sharing with your friends because we don't just wanna do this for us and for our sake and for the people that are here, but we want to share everything that we believe as a church and as a family life team that could make a great impact. You can look through our resources by uh, age and by stage. If you're preparing for parenting, we've got some great resources there. And I've, I've actually talked with some of our team members. We're gonna uh, bring a lot more resource to that. Uh, but if you've got middle schoolers, high schoolers, some great resources that we'd love to show you and tell you about. You can look by topic right here. You can see some of our top 
picks, uh, some general resources. Uh, we've got information in there on, uh, on being tech wise, on uh, single parenting. Uh, so much that is there. And then one of my favorite things is uh, so much media. We're actually taking some of the, the men and the women, the moms and the dads in our church, and, and we're putting them on camera. And we're getting to hear wise words that they have to share. And uh, so my hope, my heart, is that y'all will check out this site and that you will leverage and use this site. But then, but then, my greatest hope is that we would make a world of difference to the parents in our world. If you can go back to that screen right there. Yeah, right there. Uh, this was um, Johnny and Corey and Carter, uh, a, a family that I met on a youth trip a couple of summers ago. And, and, and man, my biggest heartbeat was for that little boy, Carter, just thinking about him and who he's going to be because the mom and the dad are going to make decisions to shape that boy's life on the runway of parenting. And my hope and my prayer is that that boy launches well. And can I just invite and encourage us? This is just as much for us as I believe it is for the rest of the world around us. Parentingmatters.life. We'll talk about some resources more in a second. Let me touch learn base together. with a couple of, learn just a couple of quick things, and then we want to get to the last one and give you some time to interject and ask questions. Uh, do any of you have kids who seem to have to learn the hard way? <laughs> yep, yep. That, and that is not, let me just say, that's not a reflection on you. It really isn't. Adam and Eve had the perfect parent. Look what they did. It's not always the parent, all right? I'm just letting you know that. Uh, I had one of those kids that had to learn the hard way. And I finally figured out that she had to fail to learn. And no parent wants their children to fail, but this one had to. And she was an A-B honor student until about 14 and then went like this. And so I did all the normal parent things. I fussed, I yelled, I restricted, I shut off the TV, I increased study time, I made her come down and study in front of us, and on and on and on and on it went. And nothing seemed to work, and the grade kept doing this. And finally, out of desperation, I wish I could tell you it was out of wisdom. It wasn't. It was out of desperation. I walked in one day, and I said, that's it. I'm done. She says, what do you mean you're done? I said, you know what? I already have my diploma. I don't need to earn yours for you. You know what you need to do. You know the homework. Do it. If you don't want to do it, you have my blessing not to do it. And she backed up and looked at me like, okay, what's the catch? I said, really, no catch. If you want to fail this class, you go right ahead. If you have to go to summer school, you're going to have to find a way to get yourself there. If you have to pay for it, you're going to have to find a way to pay for it. If you don't want to do that, then you'll be behind all your friends and you'll watch them move on. And I said, oh, by the way, I'm not checking up on your homework anymore. You're on your own. Sounds really harsh, doesn't it? And so, of course, what did the kid do? She failed the class. And so that summer, she and I stood in this parking lot while two big tour buses of her friends went off on a youth mission trip, and she had to stay home and go to summer school. Big old crocodile tears rolling down her cheek. My heart broke for her. But that's the only way that daughter could learn. So if you have one of those children, you need to let them fail early while the consequences are small because you have to teach them how they have to learn. And if they have to learn that way, then you need to do that. Now, here's one exception, then we'll move on. If you have a child who has ADHD, some kind of learning disability, some kind of anxiety issue, then you don't let them just sink or swim. You help them with that. But if it's just being a kid, you gotta let them fail. It's the best learning tool ever. 
And I'll just leave that there. Let's get to this last one. That's good. That's good. So say it with me again. You got to live together. You got to love together. You got to laugh together. You got to learn together. And then, of course, the most important one. Y'all knew we were going to say this. You've got to follow the Lord together. I do want to bring up our Family Life team, if I can. Uh, some of our teammates of the Family Life team uh, will be coming up here and uh, talking to you in just a minute. But uh, you've got to learn to follow the Lord together. And just like I said earlier, what is the, what is the target? What is, what is, I hope and pray, will be the launching point and the target for your sons, your daughters for the rest of their life? It is godliness. And, and you uh, don't, and excuse me, but you don't have to be top of the class in following the Lord to do this either. Don't feel like you have to be preacher material before you can do that. I didn't come to Christ until I was 22, and everything I learned early on was in a little children's Bible story book. You do not have to be top of the game to do this. I do believe Scripture says, though, that we should be faithful. Absolutely. And that's the key. I think that's what the key of, of all of this is, is to be faithful. Before they start talking in just a second, I'm going to go ahead and ask for our room host, Andrew Skelton, Drew Robinson. If y'all have any questions that you've put down onto your card, I would love for those to get to them. Please hold it up and uh, they're going to come around the room and uh, pick those up. If y'all have some, would love to get those. If y'all want to write down some more, just hold them up and get them to him in uh, just a minute because we want to answer any questions if we can. And if we can't, then that'll be fine too. We'll find another way to answer these in the future. Our family team has come up with a way, a plan, a strategy that we just want to encourage and equip you moms, you dads, to over. lead your family to follow the Lord together. Three simple letters, R-P-W, R-P-W, read. We wanna encourage your family to read the word of God. P, pray, be consistent in prayer, continuing in prayer at all times. W, find ways to weave worship into your family experience. I'm going to allow each of these ladies to uh, speak to each one of those. Our friend Rachel, in charge of our preschool team uh, downstairs, is going to talk to us about reading the Word of God and what that looks like. Then uh, after that, I'm going to ask Carol to talk about prayer and what family prayer looks like. And then Jacqueline Hyder, uh, working with our Together at Warren team and, and so many other teams on staff here, is going to talk a little bit about worship. So will y'all thank these ladies for being up here with us. Yeah. Tell us some good stuff and strategy today. Um, so I am talking to you guys about reading God's Word because this is something that I'm so passionate about and one thing that I think my parents um, did so well. There's a lot of things that they did wrong and that you will do wrong, but this is one thing they did well, and I think it's the most important thing they did well, and that's that we read the Bible together. And I just want to say something that I was like, oh, should I say that? It's a little harsh, but I feel like it's like it's the truth in love and that is that it is not possible for you to be following the Lord or for your children to follow the Lord without being in God's word. It's just not possible. Like following, loving the Lord, following the Lord does not come without being in his word. So first of all, they need to see you modeling that and then you guys need to be in the word together. You need to make reading God's word together as a family a priority. Um, and it doesn't have to be anything complicated. I'm so passionate about this because it's how my family did it just simply. But every night um, we just gathered together as a family and had our family devotion time. And all it consisted of was my dad reading one chapter a night. We read through books one chapter at a time. 
um, from the King James Version Bible, which is what he still reads to us from to this day. And it wasn't anything that he planned or like put any preparation into. We just sat down, we read a chapter. Sometimes we discussed afterwards. Sometimes we just went straight into a prayer. And then it usually led into like us just hanging around and talking a little bit before we went to bed. But every night we did that. And of course, some nights, you know, kids have ball games, things happen um, and we missed it, but it was a consistent thing in our life. And I just realized as I grew older, how much that, first of all, like taught me about the Bible. I just thought everyone knew like all the stories from the Old Testament. And then as I became an adult, I was like, no, this is not something that other people know. <laughs> it's because my parents read the Bible to me when we were young. Um, and like I said, it doesn't have to be complicated. You can just read a chapter. And it also, um, you don't have to expect for your children to sit there and, and listen and um, you know soak in all the information. If y'all don't know, I'm one of 12 children. I'm the third of 12 children. So the whole time I was at home, um, there was a child <laughs> in our family devotion time. You know, until I moved away to college, he was only like four at the time. So there was always a child rolling around on the floor, running around, you know, making, disturbing everyone. But that didn't discourage my parents. They still um, were intentional with that time. And those children, whether or not they're rolling around on the floor or sitting perfectly still, they're hearing what you're saying and is making an impact on them. So just encourage you guys to make it a priority. And there are resources back there on the back table. Um, you know, if you want something a little more structured, there's some great resources back there on how to do a family devotion or like um, Bible stories for toddlers. That's great too. Um, if your children are younger, you can meet them at different stages but just be intentional with that. Just read. I like it. Thank Great. you. Great. That was awesome. Okay, I'm going to talk to you about prayer. Um, the first thing I want to tell you is pray for your children. And I know that's obvious, and I know you probably already do that. But um, if we intentionally and regularly put our kids into the hands of the Father, that's the probably the most important thing we can do as a parent. But I wanted to share an idea. This is an old book, but it's been really um, good for me. It was Power of a Praying Parent. And what I love about this, it had 30 chapters, but she came up with ways or thought about ways of praying for her kids that I honestly never would have thought of. And uh, several seasons of my life, there are 30 chapters, like I said, and I would take the prayer at the end of the chapter and I would attach it to the um, day of the month. So if it was chapter five, I would pray that prayer on the fifth day of the month next prayer and I would do it all month long and so there I was just rarely praying in specific ways for my kids and that was just a really special time doing that the next thing I want to tell you is to pray over your children so sometimes they come to you with problems or um, you know they're they don't know what to do about something or uh, a concern and a worry on their heart and sometimes we want to give and I, I launch into words of wisdom or you know or my ideas or whatever but sometimes I need to not share those put my hand on them and just pray for them and teach them because that's just gonna model for them to go to the father in prayer when there's a concern so just pray for them and then help them to see how God answers those prayers Okay, so pray for them, pray over them, pray in front of them. When you want to teach somebody something, you want to model it first. So you pray in front of them, not to be showy, but to teach your kids. Let them catch you praying. And pray in specific ways. Praise, um, you know, adoration to the Father, thanksgiving, but also confession. So when you mess up, and you know, only in age-appropriate situations, share with your kids. Confess to them, but also let them see you confessing to the Lord. Um, 
pray, intercede for other people and, and let your kids see you do that. And then um, pray for needs and, and wants. Let your kids pray big. And I just want to share a personal story. My child, um, my daughter loved horses. And she rode horses as a kid. And our pockets were only about that deep. And I kept telling her, well, you know, and she started asking for a horse at about, I don't know, eight years old. And constantly, honey, we are not getting a horse. She would, and she came up with multitudes of ways to earn it. She, I mean, I'm telling you, she persistently prayed for a horse. And I'm not kidding for eight years. And I kept saying, honey, that's just not going to happen. I mean, it's just not going to happen. And because I saw my God too small for my kid. And it, through miraculous means, someone gave her a free horse, and she got wow. it on her 16th birthday. Wow. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, God said yes, okay. <laughs> but it taught me that I don't need to limit what God can do in the life of my kids. Yeah. And I need to help them see God really big. Yeah. So that was a really good um, lesson to me. So Pray for your kids, pray over your kids, pray with your kids. Um, and then, um, uh, I mean, pray, I, but pray with them. And, and you want to do that um, in special ways. And I, I just wanted to share something um, from a quote. And then as they get older, also ask them to pray for you. Okay, that's the last part of learning something. But I wanted to share with you a quote from Corey Ten Boom because I loved what she had to say about this. Um, she's a spiritual hero of mine, and I don't know if you've ever read The Hiding Place, and her family went to the concentration camps for loving people in um, dangerous ways and hiding them from the Nazis. But she, her faith stuck, and she was a very faithful woman. But I love what she, and, and I read, this book is called In My Father's House, and it's about the home she grew up in. And I got this because I wanted to read about a home that would produce people that would, their faith would stick that well. So um, here's what she said. When I was five years old, I learned to read. I loved stories, particularly those about Jesus. He was a member of the Ten Boom family. It was just as easy to talk to him as it was to carry on a conversation with my mother and father, my aunts or my brothers and sisters. He was there. And then the next thing, there's a chapter in here called, called Around the Oval Table. And that was their dining room table. And they sat around it and read God's word like Rachel talked about. They said, every room in our house heard our prayers, but the oval table probably experienced more conversation with the Lord than other places. Praying was never an embarrassment for us, whether it was with the family together or when a stranger came in. Father prayed because he had a good friend to talk to over the problems of the day. He prayed because he had a direct connection with his maker when he had a concern. He prayed because there was so much for, what he, for which he wanted to thank God. And I'm just saying, when my kids leave home, I want them to say that about me. Yeah. And I think you do too. So that's just, it, they made it very simple. It's a conversation with your friend who is your heavenly father. Mm -hmm. So That's good. Real good. So we read together, we pray together, and then finally we worship together. And, you know, what do you think of when you think of worship? The first thing I think of is what we do on Sundays. We, we sing. We stand up and we sing together. And that is part of worship. 
but there is a bigger and broader part of worship, and that is something that we do with our lives. We are to worship as a way of life. We are to worship with our entire being. Um, Isaiah 43, seven says, everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, our job, our purpose is to bring glory to God. In everything we do, we're to point others to the greatness of God. And so how do we do that? So I came up with just, I thought about it and I was like, well, how do we do that? And I thought, well, that comes down to four key elements, really. We worship God with the way we think. We worship God with the way we feel. We worship God with the, the way we speak, the things that we say, and then we worship God um, with the things that we do. And really those first two, the thinking and the feeling, have a direct impact on those second two, the saying and the doing, because um, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? And what we think about things and other people and about ourselves and about God directly affects our emotions. And I will say that the best stabilizer for emotions and for our thoughts is God's word and his prayer. And so do those things. But as far as the saying, you know, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. I've got a great story to tell you really quickly. One of the things that we did with our children when they were young uh, during one of our family nights was um, we went, I went to the dollar store. I got dollar tubes of toothpaste and paper plates. And we got them around the table and we said, okay, you have 30 seconds to squeeze as much of that toothpaste out of that tube as you possibly can. We'll have very competitive children, so you can imagine. So it was all squeezed, squeezed out. Is that the correct verb tense? Anyway, they, they got it all out. They got it all out of the tube. They squeezed, 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 and it all came out of the tube in 30 seconds. Okay, so then Alex, my husband, lays down a $20 bill on the table and he says, you've got 30 seconds. Whoever can get the most toothpaste back in that tube can have that $20 bill. And you know, they're trying their best. You can't get toothpaste back in a tube. There's no way. And so that led us to a great point. When we speak something, it's out there. That's good. You can't take it back. And the things that we say to others directly reflects who God is, because we're supposed to be worshiping and glorifying God as a way of life. Mm -hmm. And then lastly, the things that we do, that has to do with our obedience. To obey is better than sacrifice. God wants our obedience first in, in what we do. And then the way that we serve others, the way we learn to love other people. Um, we, I've got story after story I could tell you, which I won't because we're running out of time, of just ways that we can, you can serve um, your friends and your family and teach your children to do that. But don't be afraid to, 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 to serve with your children and to come up with fun, creative ways to do that. But the main thing I want you to remember, worship as a way of life. Amen. Amen. And if you don't have a good church that you're going to yet, we know one. Uh, hey, so, so I, I'm just hearing y'all talk about these things. Can I give one just kind of umbrella statement on this? Start small yes. and grow from there. Yes. Start small and grow from there. Uh, I, I'm just thinking many of us probably have the YouVersion Bible app. I love that there's a verse of the day that comes through on that. Just start with the verse of the day. You know, just start with a prayer uh, a day. Um, you know, we, we were driving back home from, from one of our uh, kids' soccer games last night, and, and we said, all right, we're going to do prayers in the car. So we're driving home, and we're just, we're just praying as we're driving home. You know, but start small 
and grow from there. Find, find so many ways to weave worship into your everyday experience. We talk about, well, Carol, yeah. what is this fabulous resource right here that you're I holding? I forgot to mention this, and many of you may already know, but we've been doing a prayer calendar from Kids at Warren, and it's just simple, quick ways that you can pray together as a family. So we have them in our kids' area, but we just try to make it bite-sized and doable because we know you're busy and there's a lot going on. So. Is that next month? This is. This is May. I, it's a I, May I preview. I haven't gotten mine yet, so I'm going to go ahead and get it right now. Okay. Like, literally, can I tell you what we do? I put this on the kitchen table, and, and usually our breakfast time, I feel like I'm the Swedish chef on the morning the mornings of school. And, and I try to just give this to my daughter, and I say, Millie, read us the prayer. And, and then she usually just tries to lead it. Give these principles away to your kids to own. And to manage and let them. That is that's a key part of following the Lord. All right, we got a lightning round. We We got got three minutes. We're gonna hit some questions right here. Okay, gang, these are good to you. How do you coach young children, preschoolers, to choose good friends? Since you were born with a preschool ministry, now they're handing off the mic. Can we can we just come to you? No, I'm just kidding. So, how do you coach preschool children to choose their friends? Choose good friends. Choose wise friends. Ooh man, ooh man. That's a How good do you question. teach adults to choose wise friends? Yeah, there, that's a, I mean, yeah, there you can go. We go with that too. <laughs> I, don't, I actually talked about this in chapel at ACS this morning there about you go. the importance. There you go. Um, I didn't really talk about like how you choose wise friends, but um, the importance of like the people you surround yourself with, um, you know, will will impact the decisions that you make. And then the decisions, we talked about how wisdom, one of the, the aspects of wisdom that talks about in James is that it bears good fruit. Um, and you know, the good fruit is like blessings that come from, you know, when you're following the Lord, blessings come. So um, I don't really know how to explain that to uh, a preschooler, but um, just talking about like you, like they understand like rewards, right? And um, tangible things, but like, you want good things to come to you, um, you have to surround yourself with good people who will help you make good choices so that good things come to you. Let, so. let me give you a suggestion. Have your preschooler tell them, choose friends who will treat you like your parents treat you. It's good. It's good. All right? I love, I love this concept. We, y'all, many of y'all might have heard Stephen Newman talk about this a couple of weeks ago when he talked, when he preached on a Sunday morning. This word is the standard. And I'm just thinking about choosing friends. And, and, and I've had conversations with my children about, you know, will that happen to you or that person did that to you? Well, what do you think God's word says about that? And, and are we going to, you know, to choose to, to be like that, to hang out with that, to encourage that? And, um, you know, so I would just, I think one of the most beautiful things about a, being a believing parent is we've got a good foundation that holds us up and to lean on. And, and so I'll just use, use the word, use the word. Come on, next hey, Here's one. another one. How do you connect God to discipline? Hmm. <laughs> I'm assuming you don't write God's name on the paddle you're using, right? Yeah. No, but I used, to, um, I used to tell my son that I love you too much to let you act this way, to let you think that it's okay to behave this way. Um, and, and God doesn't want me, you know, he wants to help me shape you into a, a man that will honor God. So that's how I did it. Okay. All right. Okay. I'm going to give you a couple more. Uh, and I think I'm going to take this one. So please address a dad who's pushing his child too hard in sports, make it to, to make him feel successful. What do you do? How do you pray? I lived that life actually. 
uh, I was the odd child out. I was the child that didn't want to go out and play, didn't want to do sports, was lousy at it. I wanted to stay in and read and draw, and it drove my dad crazy. And so he, I may have told you this story, he pushed me to do ba uh, basketball, to play basketball in the eighth grade. And uh, I didn't want to. I'm lousy at sports. I have no coordination. I just didn't want, but he was afraid his son was going to be too much of a sissy if he didn't do this. So he pushed me to do that. And finally they put me, I, I was set on the bench most of the time, which was probably a good call, right? But finally they put me in the game. I guess we had enough of a lead, I couldn't blow it. I was on the court for less than five minutes and broke my arm. To which my mom tells my dad, we are not making him do this anymore. And what you have to do is understand that your kid has giftedness. It may not be what you're looking for, but they have giftedness. And you look for where they're gifted, and then you encourage them in those ways. Now, if I'm a sports fanatic, and my kid's not into sports, yeah, it's a bit of a letdown. But I'm just telling you, that's not the only time your kids are gonna let you down, so you can handle it, all right? Find the thing that they're wired. Figure out how they're wired, and celebrate that and push that. You guys got anything to add to that? I will say my husband, my son, um, he, he's on the Asperger's, He's on the autism spectrum. And so sports yeah. and games and anything like that was just a little bit harder for him to take part in and to enjoy. But my husband really did a good job of trying to help him find um, what he enjoyed. Um, and, you know, my husband, if it bounces or rolls or so, he loves sports, but he loved his son more. And so he would go. take him to zip lining. He would take him, you know, we, he got into civil air patrol. So we really worked hard to try to find what that thing is that was legal, <laughs> okay, and not going to harm him. <laughs> Those are some good qualifications That's right good. there. Okay, there, go ahead. Can I add one thing to that? Is that um, I think just remembering that what is the one thing that you want your child to be when they grow up? Mm-hmm. I hope that you would all say a follower of Jesus. And so how they perform at their baseball game or you know, on the soccer field is not the most important thing and not the thing that you want to be investing the most time in. Those things build character and they're great and they're fun and obviously you wanna like help your child like reach their potential and be the best that they can be but just remembering that their spiritual formation is the only thing that they're gonna take with them into eternity and so um, I guess just encouraging your husband to keep that the focus. Amen. Okay, we're two minutes over. The last question was this. What does fighting well look like? Well, somebody else asked what kind of car I got, but we'll not deal with that. Uh, what, what does fighting well in front of your children look like? And I, we can't spend a lot of time on this, but what it looks like is the two of you learning how to hear one another, even if you disagree, learning how to share your opinions and your desires, even if you don't agree with one another, hearing one another out, and then working to find common ground. You want this, I want this. Where do they overlap in the middle and what can we do? I've got a great story. I can't tell you about that right now. That's a quick answer. If you need more, come up and see us afterwards. Very good. Y'all, has this been good? I hope this has been encouraging. I hope and pray you'll use these tools to live together, love together, laugh together, learn together, and follow the Lord together. Can y'all thank these ladies and this gentleman here? We love you. God bless you. And thank y'all for being here today.